Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a little bit past three o'clock, uh, and that means that it's time to uh, start another Hot Politics Lab session. Uh, today, it is a pleasure uh, to introduce to you Professor Rune Slothus from Aarhus University. Uh, Rune um, uh, has, a, has a long connection with me and also with Gijs uh, in the lab uh, when we were in Denmark, uh, but Rune is really uh, uh, one of the, if not the, uh, leading scholar when it comes to the role of how citizens form their opinions and especially the role of political parties. And he has published uh, extremely influential work in uh, uh, in journals like the AJPS and the American Political Science Review. Uh, his work is always rigorous and innovative. And um, if anybody can uh, teach you how to frame uh, a contribution, it's probably Rune. Uh, I'm very excited, Rune, that you uh, that you uh, came. Uh, um, to us today uh, via the Zoom. Uh, uh, it's been a long time that we have uh, not been interacting, but uh, I'm very excited to see what you're doing. Uh, I assume this is part of your big ERC Consolidator Grant project uh, that you're running right now. Uh, and um, the floor is yours. For those of you who are a little new to our um, Hot Politics Lab session. Uh, if you're in the Zoom, you can post questions to Rune via the Q&A box and uh, Gij Schumacher in uh, Amsterdam uh, will read out the questions and then Rune will answer them. Uh, so that's it, Rune, um, warm welcome and um, I look forward to hearing your presentation. Thank you very much, uh, Bert, and uh, thank you to, to all of uh, you for the invitation to be part of the Hot Politics uh, Lab uh, today. I uh, it's a big honor for me uh, because when I look throughout uh, the European uh, map, uh, the, it's, it's very difficult to think of a place more dynamic and more innovative and more productive than the hot politics uh, lab in Amsterdam. And uh, especially uh, if you are interested in the kind of topics we are interested in and in political psychology, political communication. So, um, so I'm, uh, I'm very pleased to get this uh, opportunity and, um, and I will, uh, Present. Uh, I, I'll now share my slides and get uh, started with um, what I will uh, present. Um, okay, we'll try. Yeah. So um, with this uh, elegant uh, introduction, I'm I'm happy to um, to then begin my presentation. And and what I I really want to um, uh, share with you is, uh, as uh, Bert also um, hinted at it at the beginning some first results from a, a, a project on party opinion that I'm doing uh, sponsored by the ERC and the co-authors on, on this uh, project or this uh, this paper is um, are uh, Rasmus Gutte and Martin Biscard, but uh, I also draw on some insights from the Luva Christensen who's part of the project as well. And um, what I um, want to focus on is uh, what's in the title, uh, how citizens can use party cues to reason about policy. And um, many of you work on uh, citizens, some on party communications, and we know that uh, the interactions between parties and citizens uh, are uh, mutual and going many different directions. And what I'm focusing on here in this presentation is to what extent uh, the influence from parties go to citizens in a way where citizens can actually use communication from parties to learn something about politics. And um, so if I begin with the, 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 the research question, it is that the political parties, political issues are complicated also to ordinary citizens. But the question here is, can citizens use cues from political parties 
to grasp the substantive meaning of policy issues. So I think that is a very important question from a political psychology perspective and also from a, a, a broader democratic perspective, because without getting sort of the substance of uh, political issues, how can citizens meaningfully follow democratic debate or participate in politics or, or form opinions that are grounded in some substance? So the, that, that's why I think it's a, a very important question to, to study if citizens then can use cues from parties uh, to, to grasp the substantive meaning of, of policy issues. And just to define uh, the key concept, the party cue is simply information about what position a party takes on a policy issue. The major theoretical question, of course, is how can citizens use party cues to interpret or to understand a policy issue? So why is it that knowing which political party is pro or con a specific policy, how, how is it that a citizen can use that information to learn about or, or think about or reason about the policy substance. And, and here the argument uh, comes in uh, two pieces. And the first piece is about parties' policy reputations. So that is a set of prototypical positions a party takes where each position has a corresponding salience weight. So it's, it's simply the mental pictures people have of what the party stands for. And the idea is that uh, without knowing something about the cube giver in advance, how can citizens use the queue to make any substantive uh, difference? But with these policy reputations, so some parties standing for defending certain groups in society, standing for certain ideological positions, citizens can use this information to, to learn something about the policy by using a her reputational heuristic. So uh, citizens simply use this uh, logic that if a party supports or opposes a policy, the citizen can then infer that the outcome of the policy, what would be the likely consequences of the policy, who would be benefited or disadvantaged by the policy, well, that would be consistent with the general reputation of the party. So a social democratic party proposing a policy on healthcare might be considered, uh, then one inference might be that this policy would be more beneficial to low income groups or increase equality in in um, healthcare, whereas if it was proposed by a conservative party, people might think that it would be more of a market-based solution, potentially creating bigger inequality in policy or in health. So, so these are uh, this is the logic that party citizens draw on parties' reputations to make inferences about the policy, and and then the question is, what inferences do people make? And I think citizens can use parties this way. Uh, to do two things. Uh, either uh, the party queue can, can be used to sort of fill in the blanks uh, that uh, if, if there's not enough information in the context, uh, the party queue can be used to, to sort of infer what, what would the policy imply. But sometimes there's a lot of information, maybe too complex information about a policy. And, and here, uh, citizens can use the party to interpret and, and prioritize the information in the given context. So, so different ways citizens can use party cues to substantively think about policy content. And this is a, a quite um, different view than, uh, than is often taken in the literature on party cues. And just to illustrate sort of how this relates to the major perspectives in the literature, I'll uh, um, uh, speak to sort of the overall concern that many people in, in this literature, including uh, uh, much of, of Bert's work and, and other people's work in, in the hot politics uh, lab 
is this major concern that citizens follow their party's policy positions uh, blindly or, or that people just follow along, but without really thinking about the, the content of the issue. And, and one major perspective or explanation of this is an identity-based perspective coming from work by Campbell et al. in the American voter and later work. And, and here the idea is that people follow the cue of, of their party to signal loyalty to their group. And, and, and that sometimes leads to partisan motivated reasoning where people are very selective and very engaged in interpreting information in a way that, that supports their group. Um, so that's one theoretical explanation why parties follow their, their position of their party. But this perspective doesn't really uh, provide any need for, for learning or, or grasping the substantive content of an issue. Then there's the other major perspective, um, the informational shortcut perspective coming from a rational choice-inspired choice analysis by Downs and others. Um, according to this approach, citizens can follow party cues to save uh, the costs of uh, getting informed. It's, it's, it takes up a lot of energy to learn about policy issues, but citizens can simply delegate to their party to figure out what is the right policy here? What is the position I should follow? And then citizens can form opinions as if they are informed, but actually avoid having to think about policy substance. I think the important point here is that even though these major theoretical perspectives on party influence on public opinion are very different in, in, in the um, way they look at uh, how citizens rely on party cues, both perspectives see that citizens can follow party cues without really paying much attention to the substance of the issue or policy content. And the perspective we would like to advance is that citizens can actually use party cues to, to think and, and, and understand substance, uh, policy substance. So the question is not if people can form opinions as if they are informed, but whether citizens can use party cues to get informed about policy substance. And this question signals uh, two things. It, it signals a shift in dependent variable uh, from focusing on the opinion outcome to, to focusing instead of uh, how citizens reason about the policy, how, how they infer um, uh, uh, something about the content of the policy. And, and secondly, it, it, uh, it leads to a much more, potentially much more constructive and positive role of political parties in, in a democracy. Okay, so this is the main argument. This is our question. This is how I think we, we do something that is quite uh, different from existing approaches in the literature. So what do we do empirically? Well, we use an experimental design and uh, we use a very uh, simple experimental design to test this idea. So basically the question is that um, if, if people, if we want to know if people use party cues to sort of grasp the meaning of a policy issue, a very simple way to test this would be to present the same policy proposal, but in a credible way, vary which party promotes it and see if people make a different interpretation. To measure uh, how people understand or interpret an issue, we need to develop some new measures and I'll get back to that in a minute. But I'll just give you an overview of, uh, of some of the experiments we have conducted and um, in the interest of not boring you too much on a Zoom presentation, I'll just present results from the first experiment. But, but we conducted uh, two studies, including six experiments in, uh, in the United States and in Denmark. And, and here are, you can see the, 
the, the six uh, specific policy proposals we, we focused on. And all of these policy proposals were taken from actual legislation or actual proposal, proposals uh, being made in the US Congress or in the Danish parliament. And we did that to be re use realistic issues, of course, but also to use issues that had been passed by a broad uh, legislative coalition. So, so these are bipartisan or multi-party uh, supported uh, proposals. And we did that in order to be able to credibly and truthfully vary the party sponsor. And in the United States, we focus on the Democrats and Republicans. In the Danish studies, uh, we have more, uh, we, can, we can use uh, different parties to look at, at the dynamics and, and, and the effects of different parties. But the whole point here is that um, for, for our argument to work is that the learning that a policy is sponsored by either the Democratic or the Republican Party. How can citizens use that to make any substantive meaning of the policy issue? Well, to do that, they need to have some knowledge in advance about the party sponsor. So they need to know something about the party reputation relevant to a given issue. And, and for that, we rely on uh, many different existing measures. So this is typically measured in national election studies uh, or in, in many other ways. Um, sometimes it's called uh, 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 issue positions, issue ownership, um, uh, which groups are represented by the party. So these different measures used in, in the election surveys. And the point is that on, on um, if let's take the healthcare uh, proposal that we will look at here, uh, the, um, uh, the, we, we know that the parties in the United States are uh, from are affiliated with different societal groups and have different views on the role of government in society. So going back to the New Deal from the 1930s and on, uh, many people have the perception that uh, uh, the, the Republican Party is the party for um, uh, resisting big government, but instead uh, supports uh, private businesses and market solutions. And uh, the Democratic Party is the party for the sort of lower middle class people and uh, believing more in, in, in government intervention. Uh, to create welfare. So, so these are sort of the, the prototypical positions the parties take. The question is, can citizens use a party queue on this basis to form a substantive understanding of an issue? Here's an example of a vignette we used in one of the survey experiments to, um, to present a policy issue or policy proposal. And this is the, a healthcare policy and, um, and we simply presented people with uh, a, a brief description of a policy. And then we attributed it either to the Republicans or the Democrats, but only one of the parties or in a control group, no party. So it read that in a few years ago, Republicans in Congress proposed changes to the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. The changes aimed to improve the individual health insurance market, which suffered from rising premiums and decreasing enrollment. Here are some of the items in the Republican proposal. And then we listed some of the, the specific elements in, in the proposal. That federal funds are given to reinsurance programs and other means of lowering premiums and out-of-pocket costs. Or employers are only required to offer insurance if they have more than 500 employees, up from a threshold of today of, of 50 only, and, and other elements. So this was sort of a, a, a short vignette with a brief description of uh, the policy, but nevertheless with some details of the policy. Then we were interested in how do citizens interpret such a policy depending on which party sponsors it. And to measure that, we uh, uh, included 
two types of questions. So first we had a, an open-ended uh, question uh, to, and simply asked, uh, what do you think is the purpose of the Republican proposal to change the Affordable Care Act? And then we encourage people to list as many thoughts as you have. Please be as detailed as you can and take as much time as you need. Most people write several sentences. So that was an open-ended question we asked uh, uh, immediately after presenting this uh, policy vignette. Then on, on the next uh, few screens, um, we asked some close-ended questions designed to, to measure possible inferences people could make about the policy. And, and we uh, created questions that in a close-ended way could measure inferences that we thought would be likely given the reputations of the parties. So we asked, for example, do you think the Republican proposal to change the Affordable Care Act mainly aims to improve health insurance coverage or mainly aims to improve conditions for businesses? And then we asked on a five-point scale that aims much more to improve insurance coverage, aims slightly more to improve insurance coverage, or aims to do both, aims slightly more to improve business conditions or much more to improve business conditions. We also had a question on whether it would decrease or, in, or increase government regulation, again, uh, speaking to the New Deal cleavage between the parties, or whether you think that the Republican uh, proposal would change the Affordable Care Act uh, in a way that would be more beneficial to the upper middle class or lower middle class. Okay, so these were sort of ways creating uh, new measures to, to um, measure a different dependent variable than, than opinions, because that's what we need to see if parties enable citizens to interpret the substance of, of an issue. Here are the results from the close-ended questions. Um, and here you can see that, um, uh, um, that in, uh, on, on the question of, of whether uh, this healthcare policy would increase government regulation of healthcare, this is the simply the proportion saying it would increase government regulation. You can see that if the policy is pre presented uh, with the democratic queue, around 50% would, uh, would, would say that this, uh, this would uh, increase government regulation, it, twice as many as, uh, as with uh, the Republican queue. So this is a different way of, of thinking about the policy that is very much in line with the general reputations of the parties. Would this improve insurance coverage more than business condition, uh, conditions? Well, this is the proportion saying that it would improve uh, uh, coverage more and again, the democratic condition as expected would lead more people to say it would uh, improve uh, coverage rather than business conditions. And uh, same thing with uh, benefiting the lower middle class, more would say it would so if it's in the democratic condition than in, in the Republican condition. So that is one approach to see if people see different policies depending on which party proposes it. And, and this uh, result or these, these findings already speak to the point that uh, citizens actually use party cues uh, to think about policy substance and not just to take a position on the issue. Um, what about if we ask people to use their own words to describe the policies? And that's what we did with the open-ended question to see if, if we, what we find if, uh, if people are not prompted to the same extent with, with our uh, uh, close-ended measures. So here's what we find on the open-ended questions. And, um, and, and we simply analyzed the open-ended responses uh, in, in a very um, uh, low-key and transparent way, I think. So we, we simply looked at, uh, so, so analyzed uh, words like a back-of-word approach uh, 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 quantitatively 
to, to see are, are some words more distinctive for one experimental condition rather than the other. So as you see on, on the left side of the figure, these are words used more relatively more frequently in the Republican condition as compared to the democratic condition. And you can see words on the other side used relatively more in the democratic condition as compared to the Republican condition. And then on the y-axis, we have uh, word frequency. So, so these are the words used more frequent, frequently. And we have simply highlighted here the 10 words uh, most distinctive uh, in, in each experimental condition. So the, these are the words people wrote in, in the open-ended uh, field. And as you can see, uh, quite reassuringly, uh, that Republicans or Republican are among uh, the more distinctive words in the Republican condition and Democratic and, and Democrats in the Democratic condition. So people obviously, th that has some face value. But we can also see that uh, in, in the Democratic condition, our respondents wrote more about healthcare, people, make affordable government control keep so so um, uh, words uh, related to uh, uh, actually helping people to get uh, coverage uh, health insurance whereas in in the Demo in the republican condition uh, we see more references to companies businesses employees reduce um, then that and, and that would fit with the general reputation of the party of being more pro-business so it seems like, like uh, um, our respondents use words that are uh, in line with the general reputation uh, of the parties and use that to interpret the specific policy proposal here. And I think it's, it's useful to go back to, to, to make more meaning of these or more sense of these uh, keywords. It, it makes sense to, to, again, think about what was actually mentioned in, in the policy vignette and, and um, and so why do people talk about employees or companies, for example? If we go back to the vignette, we can see that uh, one, of the, one of the elements was that employers are only required to offer insur insurance if they have more than 500 employees. So that's definitely a pro-business a pro element of the proposal. And it seems like this is the element people notice and highlight in, in the Republican condition, as, and, uh, as we can see here. Um, of course, this is a very simple and some would say a little superficial way of analyzing open-ended responses. But I, I like this approach because it's very simple. Um, but, but we also try to think about how can we still in a very simple and transparent way, maybe get a little closer to see if, if the interpretation we have here is, is, uh, is, is, is meaningful. As again, if we think of, of what is highlighted in the vignette. And so we, we did an analysis um, like this, and I hope you can see this table. So we. We simply looked again at the, at the 10 uh, highlighted uh, uh, words on, in each experimental condition. And then we looked at the context of, of each word. So what are the context? What are the, the, the closest words or the three most closest, closest words on each side of, of, of the key uh, keyword? And of, if you look at employees, for example, in the Republican condition, you can see that exactly there is this reference to uh, 500 to, to in, insurance 500 uh, employees. And you can see on, uh, on companies, it's something about in, in, in health, health insurance for employees. So it's definitely uh, in line with the interpretation I gave before that uh, when people try to interpret what is this Republican healthcare proposal about? Well, it's something about helping businesses to lower their costs for health insurance. 
Whereas in the democratic condition, people mention people, uh, words like healthcare, affordable, and this is exactly um, um, what we see. For example, some of the neighboring words to healthcare, it's make uh, healthcare affordable for people. So it's, it's much more in, in a sort of a, a equality, healthcare welfare oriented uh, direction of the interpretation. Okay, so I think this also shows that party cues are meaningful for substantive interpretation of policies when people use their own words. Uh, just a final element in our results, um, I would like to highlight, and that is looking at the, the results by political knowledge, because you, you would think, um, or at least that is our argument, that when can parties, when can you, citizens use party cues to make a substantive interpretation? Well, it requires that people know something about the cue giver in advance, otherwise the cues would be meaningless. So it makes sense to expect that those who know more about politics, they know more about the party reputations, they would also be better able to use the cues to make some substantive meaning of the policy, because it simply requires previous uh, prior information about the cue giver to, to make a substantive uh, uh, inference based on the cue. And that's exactly what we find. And here I present um, results, uh, uh, both on, on, on healthcare, that's uh, below here, and, and, and in this figure also on on the other, the, the, the environmental uh, uh, proposal that I didn't talk about that much uh, here. But, but the idea simply is that um, if we look at three different levels of knowledge from low political knowledge to medium political knowledge to high political knowledge, simply based on correct answers to fact, general uh, political knowledge questions, we see that the difference uh, in, in, in inferences uh, between, experiment, between particle conditions are just very small among the low knowledge people and, and they are bigger among the uh, medium knowledge people and they are very large among the high knowledge people. So, and, and we see a parallel uh, example on, on both, uh, both these policy issues. So people knowing more about politics are simply better able to use the cues to infer something uh, substantively. Okay. Um, yeah, and 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 this uh, this uh, we can this applies exactly also to the open-ended uh, question. So now you can't read the keywords, but you can see that in in the high knowledge uh, end, uh, the the words uh, are much more distinctive. So people use uh, different words to interpret to interpret the policy to a much larger extent if they have have high political knowledge as compared to when they have low political knowledge. Then the distinctive words are. Are simply more modeled and and uh, and they are not used to a very large uh, frequency. Whereas over here you see words used to a much larger frequency. So it, it, it really shows that people that 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 based on people's prior knowledge about politics, they use the cues very differently. Okay, so just to conclude um, or summarize, um, the point of departure was that political issues are complicated, and the question then is, can citizens use cues from political parties to grasp the substantive meaning of policy issues? Many parts of the literature would say no, people don't really use party cues to reason about policy content, they use party cues to reach a decision. But from our perspective, and our results show that the answer is yes, the citizens actually, if parties have clear policy reputations, citizens can use party cues to infer and reason, infer some substantive uh, content of and reason about content of a policy. And we showed that both with close-ended survey questions, but also when people use their own words in, 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 in an open-ended response. 
And as we should expect, given the importance of knowing something about the queue giver in advance, these queue-based policy inferences were particularly uh, strong among politically aware citizens. And, and all this uh, leads to some good news story that the parties can play a much more constructive role in public opinion formation than current literature implies. Yes, thank you. Thanks a lot, Aruna. Uh, this is a super exciting uh, presentation. I really want to compliment you on, uh, on bringing together such uh, diverse uh, measures and still uh, receiving such uh, consistent uh, findings. Hey, there's uh, already a question in our Q&A box. Two questions, <laughs> I have to be quick. Um, and so for those of you new here today, you can uh, you can ask your questions in the Q&A box. And Runa, if you if you press this FNA, uh, the two yeah. balloons at the bottom, you can also see the questions. For those people here in the room, uh, just to try to gently uh, grasp my attention if you want to ask a question, okay? Okay, let, uh, let me start with a question from Iran uh, Amsterdam. Uh, thank you, Runa. There is an interesting debate in research on partisan gaps and factual beliefs about true belief change versus partisan cheerleading. This might be relevant here as well. Do you think people in your experiment experiments truly change the way they think about the policy or perhaps signal satisfaction or dissatisfaction with the policy as a function of its sponsor? Uh, thank you very much for um, for this uh, exciting question and um, and and to be honest, uh, I'm not sure about the answer. So I um, so so we we um, I think to me uh, these results uh, are quite interesting because I was not. Um, I was very uncertain when doing these studies whether people would actually use uh, party cues to make these uh, or, or respond differently, substantively differently to our questions, and especially maybe with the open-ended questions. So people definitely see some substantive content in a party queue. So it seems like people connect what they know about parties or what how we would view parties in general from expert surveys or aggregate results in, in election surveys. It, it seems like people in our surveys uh, use that knowledge or draw on that knowledge to interpret the issue. But what does that mean? Um, that's, of course, um, um, an, an important uh, question. And I think, so do I think that, that there's something true belief change or is, is there something, do people think about policies? Do they believe that, the, that what about the policy here? I think they do. Um, and, uh, and, and because I think the results are theoretically meaningful given our perspective and they fit with uh, the general reputations of the parties. And we measure this both with close-ended and open-ended questions. So that, but this raises two questions and I think Aaron might, might uh, uh, um, hint at that. So one is, um, is this predictive of subsequent behavior? So I, what I would like to show is but that's for our next study, is that whether people then, when, when they learn about the policy issue, do they then use this substantive interpretation of the policy to, to be better able to form an opinion consistent with their general values or their uh, interests uh, on, on the topic? And, and that maybe is, is, is uh, the, 
a, an even stronger test of, of to what extent people people use uh, these inferences to do something. But I already think that it's, it's quite reassuring that when people follow democratic debates, policy debates, they are able at, to, to, to use uh, party reputations to make some substantive sense. Um, uh, maybe the other aspect of the question is whether uh, this is, uh, there's also an element of, of rationalization here or, or maybe partisan motivated reasoning here even that, that, that um, a democratic respondent looking at a policy proposal from the Republicans, maybe the democratic respondent wish or want to see that this policy is very pro-business and not helping uh, uh, sick people very much. Uh, yes, maybe, uh, and, and maybe that is sort of part of the rationalization, um, but at least it's a reputation consistent uh, rationalizations we see. I don't know if that's an answer or it, it, it's more reflection because I'm not sure exactly what the answer is actually. Yeah, maybe Rune, you need another two and a half million from the European Union to answer that question, right? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's uh, another question from uh, Yannick Finger uh, asking you to, uh, well, I'll just write, uh, I'll just read up what he writes. You frame the argument in a positive way that party cues help people getting more knowledge oriented towards policy content. But isn't it also rather negative in a normative sense if people's inferences about policy content become very stereotypical, since the same policy content is perceived very differently, even though the content is actually the same. It's also negative in the sense that people will be led astray if parties come up with surprising policy proposals that go somewhat against their reputations. Another problematic element is that the party cues help politically knowledgeable people more. It increases inequality among citizens in terms of understanding what policy proposals are really about. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for this question. Um, I think it's uh, it's a very important question because it exactly speaks to um, to the normative uh, consequences and and also how how we should. Um, how should we think, think about the ability of, of citizens to reason about policies? Um, I think the, um, I think the, uh, the, the positive interpretation is justified uh, uh, at least uh, to the extent that um, I know many perspectives in this literature who would emphasize that people do not really think about policy content or, or people once the party are, parties are there, people are driven by identity or people think of something else. This shows that at least to some extent, citizens also think about the policy content. Even, even, if, it's, uh, even if it's rationalizations, it shows that people can make meaningful and, uh, and, and relatively consistent uh, uh, interpretations. And even you would say, is this rationalizations based on partisanship it, it still gives a common ground. So, so Democrats and Republicans might be might even agree here that, that the Republican proposal is something about business. They might have a different verdict about the policy depending on whether they think policies should be pro-business or not. But at least it's, it's, it's a way of showing there's a common interpretation to build on. And I think that is actually different from what many perspectives in the literature would have uh, expected. Of course, um, if, if this should be very important, uh, people should, citizens should use this to act upon and, and they should also 
uh, use this these stereotypes in an accurate way. So in, in a sense that we, we should expect that uh, these prototypical positions, uh, people think of party, parties have in general, they should correspond more or less uh, uh, closely to reality. So, so they should correspond to what the parties actually enact when, when they uh, participate in legislation. Often in countries like, uh, obviously many of the countries uh, we know, uh, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Denmark, uh, other places, um, you often see broad uh, legislative coalitions because that's simply needed to pass legislation in parliament. Um, so different parties support uh, legislation. Is that a problem from this perspective? Well, these examples are exactly policies where different parties supported the policy. So, so it's meaningful to vary the party queue. But I think this can be used also to, 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 to learn or tell us something about how do citizens use party cues to, net, to, to, to interpret a, a, a policy compromise in a democracy? So, so um, if the, the Christian Democratic Party is part of a compromise, maybe they have dragged the policy towards their prototypical position. So citizens can use knowledge about which parties are part of a compromise to also infer uh, uh, different elements or different consequences of the policy. So I don't think it's, it, it, it takes anything away from these results that that party that citizens interpret the same policy differently depending on the party sponsor it just shows that that people can use party cues in a meaningful way to think about substance thanks uh, rune and uh, eran has uh, in addition to his previous question also a suggestion for you to pay people ah. to be accurate to get there that's where the european union yeah. comes in again <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. testing the effects over time that's probably also european union that's very expensive but uh, yeah or maybe Aaron wants to throw in some uh, money himself. Hey, uh, there's a question here in the room from Natalie. Yeah, <laughs> actually, um, several questions. Many thanks, Rune. Very interesting. Um, one first comment that just came to my mind when you talked about these behavioral implications. So in Switzerland, there's um, a colleague of mine that did research on um, when you put a direct democratic votes, when you pro provide citizens with the party recommendations, they actually able yeah. more, to vote more in line with the uh, with their opinions, so that somehow seems to connect well to, to your okay. research. Okay, yeah, uh, that sounds very uh, interesting. I can send you the paper later if you want. Uh, so, yes, please, that's, that sounds very relevant, thanks. And so, and then the second point on the, uh, probably on, on the, on the large implications also, there's this, in the social policy literature, this um, uh, notion of Nixon goes to China policies. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of would, uh, but it would it, it fits nice to your perspective in, in my way, no? Because it it kind of tries. So the, the so the the idea is that if uh, parties pursue policies that actually don't fit to their image or to their issue ownership or how want to call it, they actually kind of success they can successfully maneuver public 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 opinion. Um, yeah. So this would be probably is that fitting to your perspective or not? Um, and then a last, just a practical question. I'm interesting, interested how you measure the political knowledge or sophistication. Yeah. So um, yeah, thanks on, on these suggestions on related uh, work. And, and I really like the Nixon goes to China analogy. Uh, and, and I think, um, uh, and, and I think that captures exactly the, the key idea about party reputations. So why does it take a Nixon to go to China it's because uh, 
uh, Nixon was uh, had a reputation of being very tough on uh, on communists, right? So, and and I think you see some this sometimes uh, in, in in the welfare state literature as well that that the uh, right of central parties uh, need to do more; they need to compensate uh, to uh, to be considered uh, competent on on welfare issues or trustworthy. Uh, so, so this actually fits uh, fits very nicely uh, with uh, that. Um, but I've been thinking of um, whether this reputation-based uh, inferences of of of, par of of party cues uh, or use of party cues could also be extended to that, as you mentioned, when when Nixon goes to China, when a party takes a position not common to um, to to their position. So we. In one of the Danish examples, we have a, an environmental um, a proposal to regulate the use of pesticides uh, in agriculture. And, and there we use um, uh, the Liberal Party in Denmark as one of the party sponsors. And that's sort of the agrarian party usually uh, connected with uh, uh, benefiting farmers. And here we see in some of the open-ended responses a more strategic interpretation. They do this to gain votes in the cities. So, so why would a party like, but why would people make this inference? Are they cynical? They do it because it's it's an unusual position by the party. But even there, it seems like the party reputations are useful for for interpreting what the parties do. Um, okay. Finally, on the knowledge questions, so we, we simply asked uh, some some very general knowledge questions, like you often see in, in in election studies. So so who has the majority in Congress, or, or what is the number of Supreme Court members, or so these more. Um, textbook knowledge or, or more something on party positions is, is one of the parties more conservative to the other, more liberal. liberal. So um, yeah, so, so it's, it's general knowledge. Um, I think theoretically, or, or the best of rationalization or the, it would really be about uh, knowing the party reputations. I think that would be the most closest, uh, the, the, the closest uh, way of measuring it. Um, Thanks, uh, Rune. Is there another question? Yeah, Christian. Um, I have a question. I was wondering, because what you've shown in, in all your results was what, whatever happens, they're always interpreted according to the reputation of the party, especially with the yeah. high knowledge people. And I was wondering, what would have happened, do you think, if you were not to talk, for instance, about businesses? In the proposal, in the in the in the in the, in the vignette, but you would still ask a question about it. Would you yeah. still expect that people would still say, um, if it's a Republican issue, it's it's good for businesses, and and if that is the case, what would that actually mean for for learning, actually learning and making sense of of these policies, um, if that that driver is so strong? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know what you would think if it if it would be um, maybe if people make up a lot about that this would have all sorts of implications for businesses, even though it's it's not related to the policy at all. Uh, then I think um, uh, yeah, then I think um, it, it would be less impressive, right? Or it, it would be concerning that. So then, is it really just like? answering these questions like quiz questions about uh, what do you know about the parties in general. Um, but I think it is uh, worth noting here. So, so can, we, can we test what you suggest? Uh, um, and I think if we compare um, 
the healthcare proposal here with with a proposal, the other proposal on HFC gases and an environmental proposal. It is uh, worth noting, although perhaps obvious, but it's worth noting that that in the healthcare proposal, uh, no one really wrote about climate change or that that the Democratic Party tries to fight climate change, and and vice versa on on the environmental issue, no one really. Uh, wrote about that the, the Democrats uh, wants to expand healthcare or that the government should do more to, for, for sick people or, or to increase coverage. So, so in that sense, people seem to make inferences that are issue relevant. But it would be interesting. I, I think this is obviously a first uh, step and a, maybe a template for, for adjusting uh, uh, subsequent uh, designs to, to provide more or less um, uh, policy information and see how people uh, interpret this. Thanks, uh, Rune. Um, next question is uh, in the Q&A box again uh, from uh, Matthijs Rodan. Um, he writes, very interesting study. Your main question seems to be, do people use cues to make a decision or to reason about policy issues? You link the former to existing approaches like motivated reasoning and information shortcuts and the latter to your new approach. My question is this, to what extent are these really different? In other words, is your approach a new approach or can it also be conceived as an extension of the existing approaches you discuss? And would that imply that even information shortcut approaches also involve more substantive reasoning than we, than we often think? Yeah, thank you for, for this, uh, this question. I, again, I think it's a, a very thoughtful question and a very uh, and, and it, it raises a potential for further theorizing and um, and uh, I, I think this makes uh, makes a lot of sense that uh, that these approaches might not be that um, uh, distinct in the sense that that I think or, or theoretically and conceptually I think the very these various approaches are distinct but I think in in practice it's probably a mix of uh, of of uh, of both policy substance, but also part of that you know the you know the conclusion already, and you just want to to rationalize to make it fit with your party. And of course, there is uh, some identity based uh, decision making going on. Uh, but 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 I just think that this shows that there's also some substantive uh, reasoning going on, or at least citizens seem to be capable of if if prompted to actually reason about policies. So I. Um, uh, some years ago, I, I wrote a review piece with uh, Thomas Lieper in Advances in Political Psychology, and there we sort of suggest that that we should think of um, of different approaches to uh, uh, partisan cue taking from on, on two dimensions. Both sort of what is the fundamental uh, uh, motivation? So is it more of a an identity based motivation that you want to defend your party, or are you more sort of in a policy motivated domain where you you want to reach? Uh, a conclusion where you support the policy that is best to you, given your values and interests, even if it goes against your party. And um, and then you can, the other dimension was you can use more or less effort. And, and this at least shows that people uh, are willing to engage uh, to some extent in, 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 in reasoning about policy substance. And, and I think um, it depends, so different individuals um, might uh, be motivated in different ways to either put more emphasis on their Defending their identity, or more emphasis on on on, on actually getting uh, the right policy to to support their interests and values, and um, 
so so I think we would see differences individually. It it, it would be interesting to uh, extend some of uh, uh, Bert's uh, work maybe on on individual level differences in in how people use cues um, to to explore this. Um, if this was an answer, uh, uh, yeah. So maybe Bert also needs some European funding. <laughs> yes, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Bert, do you have a question? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Rune. Uh, this, uh, this is a very uh, thought-provoking uh, presentation. Um, I've been thinking if, if I, I like this idea of, of of, of introducing a, a new possibility but I of, of what cues can be for citizens but I I wonder if you give um, the alternative explanations enough um, if you do enough in the current setup to rule these out and this is very difficult right um, uh, and it's not because I'm personally defend defensive because I believe in another theory or not I honestly don't care all that much uh, which one is right but but been thinking if um, what would happen if you would do the same experiment on a low salient issue? Um, there, then the, the pre-treated policy uh, reputation is not there. So what, 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 would, you, what would happen then with, with the uh, treatment effects? Um, but also, what would happen if in the current design you would, as I understand it right now, you look what people say when it's the Democrats or the Republicans, but how some of the people that have been working on partisan motivated reasoning, they have coded it as a in or out party queue. And yeah. if you code it in that way, do you then get more no signs of counter arguing or some signs? Um, truth to be told, when Yif and Ari and I tried to look at counter arguing, well, you know, this a lot of nothing happens basically. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's all in, in that's also all in our paper. So I, I'm, but I was thinking if you can do, if you if you want to pit it against these other explanations, if you're ready with the current data, can do a little bit more to rule some of these explanations out. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. Um, and I, I think, um, I think it is, uh, difficult to to rule out the partisan motivated reasoning here uh, because I think you as, as I said uh, Democrats and Republicans can agree uh, that a Republican proposal is pro-business but they they agree for very different reasons right so the Democrats like yeah. that the Republicans propose a pro-business proposal and yeah. the Republicans like that the Republican Party proposes a pro-business proposal so, so I, I, I think it's difficult to rule out entirely. Uh, at some point, we thought of uh, maybe we could look at this by by partisanship, and see if uh, if so if if the interpretations of the issues were quite homogenous across parties yeah. uh, party groups, then maybe this would be a sign of of less partisan motivated reasoning. Mm -hmm. And we actually find that that the interpretations are uh, in general uh, quite homogenous across partisan groups. But but then we thought, well, it's not enough because maybe different partisan groups like to see the policy the same way, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but but to me, it's already a step forward to see that people actually do make these substantive interpretations of, of the policies. And, and there seems to be a lot of policy reasoning going on in response mm -hmm. to the queue. 
and not just people write this is a bad proposal or I don't like it or so there's a lot of substantive considerations uh, included here and I think to me that that is um, that is very different from the existing approaches what what the existing approaches in the literature would have expected yeah. I don't think it's inconsistent with the heuristic perspective that mm. you could use a cue to to as an informational shortcut but I, I just mm. don't think this perspective heuristic perspective in the literature has has sort of taken into account that citizens would bother uh, thinking about policy policy substance. But I think that is an important observation in itself that, that citizens actually do reason about policy content. Um, so on just quickly on, on your the first part of your question that um, that was what if, what if we looked at a low salient issue or maybe an issue where it would be difficult to apply a, a, a general uh, policy reputation of the party. And there, I would think, I would expect that it, it would be much more difficult for citizens to actually use the party cues to make any meaningful substantive interpretation of the issue. And, and, and if that is so, I think that would be very interesting because that would exactly show that under, help us to, to specify under what conditions yeah. can citizens use party cues to reason about policy. And, and, and that's why I, a, a, an important element of the ERC project is also to work uh, cross-nationally in a more systematic fashion, where we try to, for example, use um, different cleavage structures in different countries, like maybe in the Netherlands, uh, the, the secular religious divide would still matter to some extent. So, so, so that would be um, a meaningful um, so party reputations uh, on this dimension would still be meaningful, whereas in the UK or Denmark, much more secular political systems would, there, there this wouldn't make sense. Um, yeah, but, but, but that, is, uh, that is something that I think is, is quite difficult to work with. But, and, and that's also, if, if any of you have any interest in this or have any ideas, you are more than welcome to contact me. And, uh, and, and I actually hope to make this uh, work to to work with experimental designs across countries in a way where we can take the the real world variation across countries into account mm. because part of so one of my sort of slogans here is also to to try to sort of take more seriously the political element of political psychology so to really theorize and 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 and, and look at the effects of variation in political context and I know many of you in the room and, and the BAT have already done this with the linking to party communications and other types of, of, of uh, communications and, and how shifts and frames and debates work. So, so it's already there, but, but I think it would be useful to see if we could take one step further. And I think this variation in, in, in the clarity of parties' reputations across countries could be a promising uh, a place to, to look. Thank you, Rune. I'm going to hand over the floor to Gijs uh, because it's a yeah, minute before it's, four. Uh, it's, it's one minute before four, and I think that's a really a beautiful way to also conclude uh, your presentation, uh, Rune, this, this invitation to uh, put the best minds of political psychology together and think about political context more. Uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks a lot, Rune, for today. Uh, it's really exciting. I, I'm hoping to see this in, in print anytime soon. And of course, uh, as our speaker, you will receive our uh, hot politics lab coffee mug. 
Uh, well, that would be uh, then. I I feel even more privileged to be invited. <laughs> yeah, you are indeed because very few people have received it uh, because almost all of the talks have, of course, been online. So, but yeah. I'm hoping to change that next week when we are in uh, Chicago. Uh, so there's no hot politics lab meeting uh, uh, next Friday. And uh, also for those of you in the room or, or, or the participants uh, online, if you are in Chicago next week and you want to have a coffee, a beer or a sandwich, then please do reach out. It doesn't seem to be too busy this year uh, with ET so far. Uh, so I, I, I'd really be, uh, be happy to, to hook up and uh, Christian and, and Mike and Isabella are, are also going. Um, so as I said, there's no meeting next week. And in fact, we're going on a small, uh, Hot politics lab break because we have to go to conferences and then another conference. And now we have to go to church and uh, there's a holiday. We go to church again and, and then it's May 13th. So that's in six weeks. Uh, and uh, then we'll be back with a presentation by Chris Doss. Uh, and the week after that, a presentation by Dana Young. And there will be a few more presentations uh, before uh, uh, summer. So uh, do. Uh, uh, um, uh, I want to wish you a, a, a sort of nice uh, spring break and uh, hope to see you all again. Uh, but uh, I forget what we forget every week. I want to thank our sponsors, <laughs> uh, the uh, European uh, Research Council, the Dutch National Science Foundation, and of course, the Association for Politics and Life Sciences. Thank you, Patrick. And uh, see you next week in uh, Chicago. Um, uh, so uh, enjoy the spring break and hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rune.